All right, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. This week's episode uh, might be a little bit shorter than usual, but I am recording on Tuesday, so the NBA Finals are on tonight. Um, Unfortunately, couldn't record Wednesday, so I can't speak about the game after the fact, Uh, but it is on at 9 o'clock. It's like 7.30 right now, just to give like a time frame. So um, not going to be able to to talk. We're just going to do a preview on the NBA Finals. and. Of course, we have college athletes being able to get paid now, which was a, a huge, a huge step and, and something that could be bookmarked as honestly one of like the bigger moments in sports history. College kids officially being able to make money off their name and likeness. And then I want to get in on the media a little bit, even though I kind of technically am part of the media, I guess, you know, not professionally speaking or anything like that but like I involve myself in that kind of thing um but I don't do this when I'm going to grill people about the Knicks specifically uh but let's get into the college athletes thing and start that off rep for the show this week so last week I think it was Wednesday or Thursday the NCAA announced that college athletes will be able to make money off of their name and likeness and Basically, if you aren't completely up to date on what that means, NCAA athletes have not been able to take money for things. So something as simple as someone paying for your dinner is illegal. Um, Signing an autograph for $10 is illegal. Getting free tattoos is illegal. And anything under the sun, monetizing on a YouTube video is illegal. All of these things that I'm saying, you know, I'm not just pulling out of my ass. These have all actually happened. Uh, People all over the place, um, all over the the country for different schools, different divisions. Uh, These people have, these, these kids have not been able to make any money. So... The big gripe being that the NCAA makes billions and billions of dollars every year and these kids aren't allowed to have pretty much anything Um, outside of what the school gives them scholarship wise. They aren't allowed to accept anything. Now, obviously, this isn't a rule that is uh, completely foolproof, right? People receive gifts and money under the table to go certain places, certain schools all the time. And that's not really a a secret. You know, the more high profile of a high school athlete you are, the more chance you have of at least experiencing trying to be bought or bribed to go to a school to play sports for them. And it's all well and good. Obviously, if you get caught, you get caught. That sucks. But a lot of people have do it. There's rumors that Zion Williamson did it recently uh, when he was going to Duke. So that, I think that's the most recent um, example I can give, although that was never proven to be true or not. Uh, guys do it all the time, especially in basketball and football. Those are two of, uh, well, they are the two highest grossing like revenue for the NCAA, the biggest sports that they they have enormous TV deals with all these different channels, um, the college football playoff, 
March Madness, like these events bring in millions and billions of dollars for the NCAA. So it's really these guys who are going to be benefiting a lot. Um, Obviously, you don't have to play college basketball or football division one to make money. But generally speaking, those are the high profile athletes that could monetize on their brand and their, you know, imagine Johnny Manziel or Cam Newton or one of these other in recent, like Zion, again, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, like these big time college players uh, monetizing on themselves during, they make probably, you know, thousands of dollars throughout the course, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout college. And not only that, but it also means that uh, games like the uh, like NCAA football, which was actually a few months ago, I don't even know how many months ago now, but a handful of months ago, it was announced that EA Sports was going to be bringing back that title. Now, what that means is for years, so for years, for people who don't know, NCAA football, when you played that game, it was, it was a real game and it was super fun and, and all that. But when you played, the colleges weren't allowed to have the, the names of the players on each college football team. So back in 2005, NCAA football 05, if you went to go play for USC, your running back was number five, your quarterback was number 11, and, and so on and so forth. And those, if you just, you, had, you just had to pay attention to college football, and obviously you would know that those guys are Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush. And obviously for the subsequent years, I think the last year they made it was 2014. Um, but those are uh, real players, and like their statistics are based off of their performances in real life, but they're not allowed to use their name or likeness. They're just pretty much randomly generated players uh, with an overall attributed to the actual in real life person. Now, EA Sports will probably be able to use the real names now because you're going to be able to profit off that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know how much money those kind of guys make for that kind of stuff if they have to sign off on different things and you know, that you got uh, the same thing going on with like 2K, NBA 2K, right? Where they have a deal, obviously, with the NBA and the NBA Players Association to use the name and likeness of every player currently in the league. But for those retro teams that 2K has, they have to get permission for these guys. So like they just recently got permission for Chris Bosh because Bosh has been out of the league, kind of retired for a while. Now he just got into the Hall of Fame. And he hadn't given signed off after he stopped playing to be used in 2K. So those retro heat teams now from the early 2010s, Chris Bosh was never on them. And the same thing goes for like Charles Barkley. Barkley, you can't play with like the 1993 Phoenix Suns because they don't want to make a team without having the best player on that team, which is Charles Barkley, who doesn't give consent to use his name and likeness in those 2K games. So I would assume because the NCAA doesn't have like a players association, EA Sports is going to have to uh, get the name, the people, individual people, I would assume to sign off 
on the names and likeness to be used in the video game. Um, but the first guy that I saw to use this uh, a new rule to his advantage was Bo Nix. Um, literally wasted no time. I think a few hours after it was announced, he posted on his Instagram, um, Milo's Tea Company, their sweet tea. Don't know what that is. Um, apparently, it's a huge uh, southern thing, Alabama thing, sweet tea. This guy, uh, this was his first ad and sponsorship that he was able to post on his Instagram. <laughs> Half the comments on that post are just like, man, this dude wasted no time at all. So he was right on top of it. And now there are a bunch of people uh, who have come out since then and they'll have deals and stuff. And I'm sure the higher profile guys um, during the course of their time in college football or basketball might even get deals sooner. So college kids being able to sign, I, I wouldn't be surprised when Nike, Jordan, Adidas, Under Armour, New Balance, all these sneaker companies for basketball, they, they'll probably start going after five-star high school recruits on one-year deals, two-year deals. And depending on who they are, you know, I can see them going after the number one pick, say, hey, or the number one recruit out of high school and say, hey, we'll sign you for this one-year deal. You'll get like, I don't know, 10 grand for this one-year uh, sponsorship deal that we'll give you. And then if you get drafted inside uh, the top 15, like we can just make it a two-year deal or uh, after you get drafted, we'll renegotiate depending on, you know, what we think your uh, potential earning is, et cetera, et cetera. I'm obviously spitballing here. I don't know if any of that's accurate, but I would imagine something like that has to happen, right? I, I mean, if, if you're able to have ads for different companies and sponsorships and make money now that you're a college athlete, I can't imagine that Nike and and Adidas and all those guys are going to run in on these high school prospects and get them on the cheap and boost themselves along with the actual athlete. Um, so it is really like a monumental turn of events or change in college sports. And uh, people have been anti-NCAA for a while now, myself included. They kind of stink with all their rules and regulations. So this being the one that finally gets it gets it done is is a huge win for these kids and these athletes who put everything into their into their craft and their bodies on the line seeing them able to finally make some money to financially support themselves in school is really 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 cool. Uh and now you got, you know, guys like uh, on a lesser note, like Miles Bridges, Charlotte Hornets player, uh, he, he tweeted, damn NCAA, can I get my $40 back? So what happened with him was that he was out to dinner, someone paid for his meal, which turned out to be like 40 bucks. Uh, the NCAA somehow found out about it, whether it was like a tip from someone or whatever, who knows, but they found out about that and they ruled him in, ineligible until he paid $40 to a charity. As if that offsets anything, like $40. So you could see what happens here. And there, I remember seeing a story about another guy. I think he was a, a Vanderbilt player. He made money off of a monetized YouTube video. Got ruled ineligible. 
Um, and then, of course, you got bigger stories like James Wiseman, who was the uh, number one high school recruit, goes to Memphis and gets money for relocation costs for his family. NCAA finds out about that. They rule him ineligible. He never ends up playing a single minute for Memphis, um, which is obviously a huge blow to them and their program and Penny Hardaway, right? That, that sucked for them. So things like that happen. And then you have Reggie Bush. So Reggie Bush was accused of uh, taking money under the table from USC for his family, buying them a house, car, whatever it is. Uh, all the all the classic stuff. That was a huge high profile one. They stripped him of his Heisman. Uh, they took away all his records. Like this is Reggie Bush is like a consensus top two greatest college football player of all time, and I'm not exaggerating at all. Like if you ask, bottom tier, he's like in the top five. If you really want to stretch it. Ask anyone who is who's watched college football, knows anything about college football. Reggie Bush is somewhere in their top five. For most people, I honestly think he's in their top two. Like he's incredible. One of the most electric and talented college football players you'll ever see. His game didn't necessarily translate all too well in the NFL. I personally think he got a bad shake in his the beginning of his career with New Orleans. Deuce McAllister was still there and they wouldn't give Reggie Bush the reins because McAllister won. It was a whole big thing. Um, so I, I don't think he got the necessary playing time he should have as a young player or the confidence instilled in him as a young player. Did win a Super Bowl with the Saints. Um, you know, had a couple thousand yard seasons. So he was a good player, but not anything like he was in college. And this dude holds a lot of records for USC and probably college football. Um, and once again, one of the most exciting and electric talents you'll ever see at any level of sports. So he had all that stripped from him. And now the record books just are, you know, blank with all of his shit. So he wants his stuff reinstated. And I agree. Um, it, it is, it is a, a tricky area to navigate for sure. Just because when that happened and when all these other instances of college athletes being ruled ineligible and, and, and taking different bribes and whatnot or benefits, etc. It, it was illegal. Like the NCA had a, a very strict rule, a very strict stance. If you break, if you, if you do it, do it at your own risk. But if you get caught, it, it will, you will have repercussions. You will suffer consequences from the NCAA. And that was something that they never wavered from. And it, it, people of, it doesn't matter how high profile you were, what recruit number you were, how, how great you were in college football, a high, if you were a Heisman winner, if you were a third stringer, like didn't matter. If you broke the rules, you broke the rules. So when all that stuff went down, it was illegal. Now moving forward, it is not, but does the NCAA really owe it to those athletes? So many of them that they ruled ineligible and, and stripped them of whatever it was during their times. Is that something that they should have to change or answer for? Because, I mean, like in our country, weed, right? Weed is pretty much 
completely decriminalized, if not straight up illegal in a lot of states in America. But there are still people in jail for weed related crimes, whether they were like intent to sell or not. Um, so that, it's a bit more extravagant than that, but that's as simplified as I can put it. Obviously, I bring that up as well with Shakari Richardson in the U.S. Olympic trials uh, being brought up, which I, I might talk her about her in a little bit after this because uh, it is definitely news. But back to all that, I, I don't know if the NCAA necessarily cares or has. I mean, they certainly don't have any like distinct moral compass when it comes to this shit. So I wouldn't be surprised even a little bit. It's the opposite, actually. I would be very surprised if they did something like that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they just left it as it was and then just say, moving forward, you can, you know, we have this rule and, and those are the rules and that's it. But everything pre that rule being changed, we can't help you. Like, things are going to stay the same. Record books are going to stay the same. Like, Reggie Bush, tough shit. You're not getting your Heisman back. You're not getting your records back. Um, and that is a tragedy in and of itself, but I would be, I would be very surprised if the NCAA decided to reinstate all of Reggie Bush's accomplishments. I would. And that goes for, you know, everyone that they stripped of things for, uh, those different kind of rule infractions. I'd be very surprised if they changed anything. Because that's just like who the NCA is. They're like this huge conglomerate. And I honestly can't see them going back, sifting through every wrong that they did and trying to right it. Because technically, they didn't do anything wrong. They enforced their rule, even if it is bullshit. Um, but th- those are like, it's, it's one of those things, man, where would, would everyone, would the majority of people like to see something like with Reggie Bush? be fixed? Yes. But I, I just can't see it happening. I can't. And if they somehow do decide to, to write that wrong, then you're going to have a lot of other people barking up your tree saying, hey, give me this back. I, oh, I did this. I, I want to be righted for this. And I don't think the NCAA wants to deal with that specifically. If you, if you help out Reggie Bush, if you give him his Heisman back, if you give him all his records back, it's not like he's asking for money or anything. He just wants his records reinstated and all that and his Heisman trophy back. Um who knows what kind of door or floodgates that that opens for other people to come storming in and say I want this, I want that, I want this. But I'm excited to see how this all progresses for these kids and these athletes uh moving forward. As for uh one particular athlete, mentioned her briefly before Mentioned her briefly a couple minutes ago, um, but Shikari Richardson, she was left off the U.S. relay team after testing positive for marijuana at the Olympic trials. Uh, so she will not compete in the Tokyo Olympics. Also, I believe she was uh, what she qualified in. Also, was the uh, she dominated in? I think it was the hundred meter run, right? So she was uh, very, very good. She is very, very good at track and field. She was barred from Tokyo for testing positive for marijuana, still on the list of banned substances 
for the Olympics. People are outraged. Uh, obviously, she is super, super, super talented. But she tested positive for marijuana. It is so fully legal. Aside from it being pretty much socially accepted by everyone, um, it's fully legal in 18 states and decriminalized in an additional 12. So Richardson tested positive in Oregon. Um, it's legal there. Marijuana is legal in Oregon. So that just adds to the, the reasons why people are pissed. Because not only is it a drug that is really not considered a big deal anymore, you could do it casually, medicinal purposes. Uh, it doesn't show any real harm to your body, unlike things like alcohol, which are socially accepted um, and legal in pretty much everything. And legal to, you know, consume alcohol, except under, if, unless you're under the age of 21 and if you're driving and if you're drunk or driving that you can drink everywhere, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no like restrictions other than those two. Don't drink and drive. And if you're not 21, you can't drink. So those are the only two exceptions. Um, weed is like not harmful to you at all. Uh, obviously driving, if you're smoking weed is not okay either. That's illegal but decriminalized and and or legal in 30 states is huge progress. So for this to still be a thing has a lot of people outraged. Now, I'm not a foreign policy kind of guy, but I would assume that because I, I don't think this has anything to do with America. Right? This isn't an American thing. This is an Olympics thing. This goes for everyone in all different countries. You can't test for these things. And I don't really know how accepted or legal marijuana is in other countries. I know Canada, it's fine. But other than that, I don't know where the legality lies in, in pot. So I don't know. Like, I, obviously, from an American standpoint, yeah, it's total bullshit. Like, this is a this is a a young woman who is also I, her mother passed away, so uh, she was using that for you know anxiety, medicinal purposes, although not prescribed. I don't think um, self prescribed medicinal purposes. But either way, who cares? Like, it, it really shouldn't be that big. It isn't a big deal in America. However. The Olympics are a totally different thing, so I don't know, man. It, it, it sucks. It definitely sucks, and I'm not going to say that, you know, she shouldn't have been smoking weed, blah, blah, blah. She was in the wrong. She definitely was not in the wrong. I think it's a combination of the Olympics being, you know, a worldwide thing and the marijuana rule being outdated. So. And I, I don't know how else to put it other than that, you know? I, I get, like, it's not something that is legal worldwide. People have been fighting the fight for marijuana for decades at this point, right? So we all know its benefits. We all know it, it's very few drawbacks, uh, fewer than, you know, drinking alcohol consistently. And we know it has real medicinal purposes as well 
So you're just barking up the same tree. Like one day it's going to be completely legal for everyone everywhere in the country. And then we have to, you know, our business with other countries is not based on marijuana, right? We don't, we know that's up to them. So until it's legal everywhere in the world, I can't see the Olympics lifting that from their banned substance list because to my knowledge, everyone has to abide by those rules, not just Americans. Like there aren't separate banned substances for each country. It's, it's an Olympic. They test for all these things. The Olympics do. Um, so it, it, it's really tough and, and upsetting to see this happen to her, um, especially, you know, someone so young who finally was about to reach like this goal that they were pursuing for so many years. Uh, it, it sucks. And I feel for her. I really do. And hopefully if, if things go right for her, um, she'll be, I mean, there's no doubt that she'll be competing for, you know, past the Olympics right now, but in another four years, when the Olympics come around again, ideally she is, uh, she's ready to finish what she started and, and get to the Olympics like she wants to and like she's dreamed of. But it, like from a human standpoint, obviously it sucks that this, this young woman is, she had her dreams cut down after she made it. Like it wasn't even pre, like she made the Olympic team. She was going to make the Olympic team. She qualified. And then they just took it from her because of pot. Like, that's really dumb. But these technicalities are technicalities. Just like the NCAA rules with the money acceptance and stuff like that. You can be broke as hell, living on the street, begging for spare change, and be a D1 athlete. And if you got a dime dropped into your cup, the NCAA would rule you ineligible unless you gave that dime back. It's stupid. It's stupid. Like, there are some rules that just need to be fixed. And uh, hopefully one day we could see that, you know, marijuana be lifted off that banned substance list. But I don't know. Uh, to my knowledge, this is like a, you know, it's a worldwide doping uh, institute that uh, do anti-doping code is what the Olympics go by, I'm pretty sure. So... So it it sucks and it's stupid, but unfortunately, that's what the rule is. And I really, I, I feel for Richardson. I really do. All right, I'm going to stay angry before we end on a happy note with my finals predictions, especially going into game one here uh, on this Tuesday night. The media. The media hype train for the Knicks free agency has already started. The Suns are in the NBA finals, and I already see tweets. From Ian Begley, actually, who I enjoy. You know, I, I like him as a New York uh, sports writer and for the Knicks. I, I, I like his content. Um, he was the one that reported this, apparently. I didn't see it from his account. Uh, I saw it from a different NBA account. But the talks of already the Knicks being a premier or likely or competitive landing spot for Chris Paul this summer is what is being reported. 
They are they are a strong contender to get Chris Paul. That pisses me off. One, because Chris Paul is currently on. He's on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, he's a free agent, but he is on the Phoenix Suns. They're in the finals. The first time Chris Paul's ever gotten there in his career with a head coach that he has history with. And you're talking about him leaving already? He just got there in his first year with a, an old coach who he has a relationship with on a new team with young, really good players in his first ever finals appearance. And you're talking about him leaving. Red flag right there. Total bullshit. Like, that, that immediately the alarms go off that that report is bad. Like, it, it, it's not likely. And this happens a lot. So, may I remind the people, it's like the end of winter, maybe the beginning of spring of 2019. Zion Williamson is a freshman at Duke. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are entering free agency at the end of the year. ESPN tweets out in the mid, it's like February or March. I think the all-star break just, uh, all-star game just ended. So probably the end, middle end of February. ESPN tweets out this time next year, the Knicks roster could look a lot different. And It's a picture of Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving photoshopped into Knicks jerseys. Immediately, the frenzy goes nuts. This is what we're getting. This is who the Knicks are going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, They end up getting none of them. In fact, they signed Julius Randle, who a lot of people were like, great. We went from Durant, Zion, and Kyrie to Julius Randle, and inevitably, or eventually, I should say, RJ Barrett, who, by the way, is easily the third best player in that draft. Like, the top three players in that draft, in that order, are probably the best players in that draft. Zion, John Morant, RJ Barrett. I, there's no one after RJ that I, would, I could turn around and say, oh, I wish the Knicks took them. Uh, no, I, I just, I don't. Like, I think that was the best pick, and I think it's worked out. He's had a, he had a huge jump this year. Enormous. And you could see the flashes in his rookie year. So I was t- I'm totally okay with R.J. Barrett. Now Julius Randle, who everyone was like, ah, we went to, from that to Julius Randle. He had a bad last year with the, with the Knicks. Shot a lot of, took a lot of bad shots. Uh, high volume guy. Bad, bad shot selection. And then now he's the most improved player in the NBA. And he was a first time all-star and an all-NBA player. Tremendous year for Julius Randle. So, I digress. I'm talking about the positives here and what they turned out to. But at the time, when the Knicks didn't get those three players, even one of them, they were labeled a joke, an embarrassment, a complete and utter free agency disaster. Was the media wrong? Not really. Like, the Knicks were... A, a complete disaster. Obviously, James Dolan was, you know, uh, kind of a laughing stock, and uh, their, their free agency wasn't what many people expected to be. But the reason why people expected this is because every media guy with an outlet talked about how the Knicks were getting these people and how it was going to be this big, huge moment in the franchise's history that's going to turn them around. And they don't get them anything. And then they, they, 
criticize them for not getting those players where it wasn't even reality to begin with. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came out and said that they had no intentions of ever signing with the Knicks. And then, of course, you know, the Zion pick just comes down to sheer luck with the lottery system. And the Knicks got the third pick, so they didn't get him either. And, and suddenly, it, they're failures, and it's their fault. So this report of Chris Paul being a guy that is super, in, there's mutual interest between him and the Knicks. Like, this is a guy that the Knicks could go after. Pisses me off. Because every year, whether it's like the, the big three that was supposed to be in Knicks uniforms that never actually wanted to be in Knicks uniforms with Zion, Katie, and, and, our, and uh, Kyrie, or even just like one player like this with Chris Paul. This has happened a lot of times before. Like this isn't just like a two incident scenario. The media hypes up the New York Knicks for a big free agency where they're going to go out and score a big name ticket to suit up in Madison Square Garden for 41 games a year. And then when the Knicks don't get an all-star, all-NBA-level talent, they deem them failures and a joke that they weren't able to, to grab someone like that. And it makes me angry. Now, I'm a little less angry than I would have been if this was like two years ago, right? Because now, the Knicks front office seems competent. They, they seem like they got their, their ducks in a row. And the moves are well calculated and well thought out. And they, they played really well this year. Obviously, they won 40 plus games, made the playoffs super great. Obviously, a disappointing end against the Hawks. But the Knicks look like for the first time in a long time, they are headed in the right direction. So because of that, even if we don't get Chris Paul, which I don't expect the Knicks to get Chris Paul. I'm not going to be mad or upset. I'm going to chalk it. I'm going to come back to this podcast and say, this is what I, this, you know, this, I told you, I told you this would happen. The media loves doing this to the New York Knicks. They love it. And I, I, I mean, I do, I, I'm going to say, I, I don't know why, but I do know why. And it's because they're the New York Knicks. They are a cornerstone of the NBA, a, a, monumentally important and, and, and popular franchise. New York, New York City, nothing like anything else in the world when the Knicks are in the playoffs and they're good. There just isn't. So I understand why people hype up the Knicks and, and they want them. They, you know, they, they have these trade talks that they leak and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, if you're a Knicks fan, listen to me. Heed my warning. Do not get your hopes up by looking at reports in the media. Don't. Just straight up do not. Because it's only going to lead you to disappointment. Sit back, relax, and whatever the Knicks do, find happiness in that decision. It's the easiest way to be a Knicks fan. Because if you hype yourself up that you're going to get all these big free agents, and then you get nothing, it sucks. It really does suck. But I do say this. There, there is a strong feeling in me that the Knicks have become a 
desirable free agent destination. That I, I do I do believe that after this year they have done wonders for their image in terms of attracting free agents. Julius Randle being a most val- uh, most improved player, all NBA guy. RJ Barrett has extreme promise, and then Tom Thibodeau being the coach of the year. All huge draws for free agents. All right, NBA Finals preview to wrap up the show. Bucks, Suns, my Phoenix Suns, never a doubt. Uh, they go 4-2 against the Lakers, 4-0 against the Nuggets, and 4-2 against the Clippers. The Bucks go 4-0 against Miami, 4-3 against Brooklyn, and 4-2 against Atlanta. The big news coming into Game 1, uh, it's 8-20 as I'm recording this. And Giannis still no update whether he's playing. Uh, the only alert I can see right now here is from a few hours ago at 2.30. He's continued around-the-clock treatment on his knee with hopes of playing in Game 1. That's from Woj and Malika Andrews. He was upgraded. What the good sign is he was upgraded from doubtful to questionable. So there's hope that he plays in Game 1. If you're a Bucks fan, uh, if you're the Suns fan, obviously you would love for him not to play. However, in the games that he hasn't played against the Hawks, uh, the Bucks did step up. So the, the, the Bucks are a team, they definitely play to their competition, much like the Dallas Mavericks, except they're better than the Dallas Mavericks. But it's the same kind of situation. Sometimes you see them really struggle and they're they're just like, horrible um Chris Middleton has his has his nights and and so does Giannis where they're just straight up not good and sometimes they uh they can't miss like when they played against Brooklyn they went seven games against Brooklyn that took every ounce of effort from every player so here the Bucks are I think the last time they won a championship was in the 70s uh the Suns have never won a championship and have I think have only been to one finals and that was in 1993 with Charles Barkley and they lost to the Chicago Bulls this is why uh, I wanted this matchup is because this is going to be two teams where they get their a finals whether it was the first time in decades or the first time ever like it's been a while for a, a long time for all both of these fan bases and the whole Small market of Phoenix or Milwaukee thing is really stupid. I hate the small market aspect. It really doesn't make any sense because if with the with today's day and age with the the internet and everything, you can you can tune in and watch or, or follow any player or team you want at your fingertips. Right? You're not like waiting to see your local newspaper the next day to see if the you know the Charlotte Hornets won. It, it's just not it's not what happens. Uh, so the small market team doesn't matter. And personally speaking, I think fatigue, especially in the NBA, is uh, real. So there aren't many times you see in the NBA where the the worst team wins. Um, and you can say, oh, well, the Nets lost to the Bucs and they were the better team. Not, not necessarily true. The Bucs have more depth than the Nets. Even though they don't maybe have the same amount of superstars, the Bucks are a very good team. So you can, and 
you know, you can argue they were the better team. Um, when you have high seeds like that, the differences are less. Um, but I'm talking in terms of like really lower seeds to higher seed matchups. It, it's almost always the higher seeds going to win. Uh, when you talk about 2-3, it's a little different, but I digress. These are two of the best teams in the NBA. Just straight up. Uh, the Suns had the second best record in the entire NBA. They were the second seed in the East. I mean, in the West. And the Bucs uh, were a top three team in the East. And they only finished uh, three games behind the Sixers for first place. So they were right there till the very end. Uh, so I- I'm very excited for this matchup. Especially if Giannis plays, that's going to be a huge, huge factor. The Bucs did have trouble guarding Trey Young um, in their matchup with the Hawks. And Chris Paul is Trey Young times 10, right? Chris Paul is the progenitor of that small, shifty, pick and roll, assist, shot maker, point guard. That he is the guy, right? So I'm very excited to see how that Bucks defense handles Chris Paul. And then, of course, you got Devin Booker, who uh, the Clippers gave him problems defensively. But now you got a guy who I assume Chris Middleton is going to be the guy that steps up to guard Devin Booker. And Chris Middleton is a very good defender. So I'm looking forward to see how uh, Booker handles that challenge of going up against him. And don't get me wrong, I said the Clippers gave Booker problems, but he still put up numbers. Like, he still, he still got a lot of good shots. He still made shots, you know, got his points, contributed offensively. It's not like they completely took him out of the equation. It's nearly impossible to do that with someone who's as offensively gifted as Devin Booker. So Chris, Chris Middleton is a very good defender. So I, I would imagine he's going to step up to take a majority of the possessions against Devin Booker. Drew Holiday is going to be on Chris Paul. And Giannis, I'm not sure where he's going. You know, there he uh, he might be floating around a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if if the Bucks go with some a, a zone of some sorts, I think they certainly have the defensive capabilities of doing something like that. Although I don't think they're a zone team. Um, but it, it's going to be an interesting matchup to see how they go up against the Suns. As for the Suns defensively, uh, they got a, a lot of different things going on here. So. DeAndre Ayton has proved to be a vital piece defensively and offensively. Uh, he's, a, he's a true center. He's got a little bit of a mid-range touch. Good finesse around the basket. Good touch around the basket. Rebounding machine. So, And he's, he's very athletic. So someone like Giannis, offensively and defensively, it could be someone that he could guard. You know, I'm not saying every possession, but if, if there's a switch and Giannis is on DeAndre Ayton, I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem for Ayton. I really don't. Uh, you got Mikhail Bridges, who is essentially Chris Middleton. Not as good, obviously, shooting off of the dribble, but a good three-point shooter, an excellent defender on every part of the court, in the post, in the paint, at the three-point line, the perimeter, doesn't matter. He's a very, very, very good defender, and he's a very good help defender as well. I think Cam Johnson should get more playing time than I think he will get more playing time than he did in that Clippers series. Uh, he fits up. He fits much more nicely with the Bucks here. Long, athletic, can shoot a three, and can play defense. Like that's who Cam Johnson is. He's a lesser version 
of Mikhail Bridges, in my opinion. So I, I, I like the Suns, man. I, I, I've been riding with the Suns all po- I've been riding with the Suns since they got Chris Paul. I was like, Western Conference Finals. I said it. I don't know what episode it is, but if you have the damn, if you have the freaking dedication to go back and help me with that and figure out where the hell I said it, I'll, I'll pay you 20 bucks. <laughs> but I, I know I said it. I know I said it on this podcast. Suns, Western Conference Finals, you can expect it. Here they are in the finals. Got further than I even predicted they would. Uh, my prediction was that they'd lose to like the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, but obviously the whole injuries with LeBron and AD ended up getting the Lakers the seventh seed, and then they played without AD, and, and then the Suns beat them. No excuses, of course. You know, injuries happen, part of the game. Suns beat them. I was totally okay with that. Um, the LeBron losing in the first round thing didn't nearly blow up as much as I think I thought it was going to be from the LeBron haters, so that was nice to see. Again, I digress, but I'm riding with the Suns, man. I can't turn my back on them now. I do like the Bucks. I'm happy for Giannis. I'm happy for Chris Middleton, two guys who have been there for years and have seen this team evolve into the dominant team that they are today. They've had their choke jobs, absolutely, but Giannis is now a two-time MVP. This is his first of what I assume will be multiple finals appearances, so I'm happy that he got this monkey off his off his chest, off his shoulders, this weight off his shoulders, and he is, he's here on this big stage. I hope he can play in game one. It would really suck if, you know, they got here and he has to miss the first game. That, I'm sure that would kill him as well. So I hope he can go. I hope he can play. But I got to ride with, I got to ride with my boys. I got to ride with D-Book and I got to ride with CP3. I got to do it. I can't turn my back on them now. Suns in seven. I can't say Suns in six. I have a lot of respect for the Bucks. Suns in seven. They're going to be pushed to the limit. I do think the Suns stay in control. I do think they stay in control. And what that, by that, I mean, I don't believe they'll ever fall behind in this series. Now, you can be listening to this on Wednesday, and I could have been wrong. Bucks take game one. But my prediction as we're a half hour from tip-off and as I'm wrapping up this podcast, is that the Bucks trail the entire time, but they do take it seven against Phoenix. So we're looking at some like, I don't think the Suns get up 2-0 like they've been doing. Looking at 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, 3-2, 3-3, like a back and forth. The definition of a back and forth. But I do think the Suns stay in front throughout that back and forth. And then they take game seven. But to wrap up the show, a little teaser, a couple thoughts. Disney's putting out these things. Um, Star Wars Visions dropped their first trailer. It is an anthology of animated film, anime films, um, or shows. I forget which one. But basically, Star Wars in anime format. Production IG is attached to it. They did Attack on Titan with Wit Studio. So you know that, that, I mean, that's automatically a good sign for me. Super excited to see Star Wars in an anime format because there are fan-made anime Star Wars trailers on YouTube that you can find that are absolutely electric. So I'm very excited for that to drop. That comes out in September. And I'm going to see Black Widow on Tuesday, next Tuesday. So you can expect 
a movie review for a Marvel film for the first time in a while at the end of Wednesday's episode. Uh, this Friday, we got the new Loki episode, episode five. And then next week, next Wednesday, we're going to do a movie review with Black Widow and then Loki episode six on Friday. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, first Marvel movie in a while. But we're starting to get it on track. My theater is completely open. If you're vaccinated like I am, you don't have to wear a mask. So that's great. Um, but very excited to get back into the theater to watch a Marvel movie. And I'm interested to see, obviously, because Scarlet, uh, I was going to say Scarlett Johansson, uh, Black Widow is dead. She died in Endgame. I'm interested to see how they tie this story or this character into the MCU. Best guess is that Florence Pugh is going to be the Black Widow of the future. But, you know, who knows? Um, but I'm very excited for that. So, that'll do it for this episode from my point of view. Thank you all for listening. I will talk to you all on Monday for Loki Episode 5 and then next Wednesday. So thank you all for listening once again, as always, and I'll talk to you on Friday. And as I'm about to hit stop on the recording, I got the update. Giannis is playing tonight. So there you go. Giannis is ending up playing. That's great to hear. Game 1, Suns and Bucks. I'm going to go watch that. 